0: oklahoma city dave kathy the food dude here with another community table dispatch in the midst of the COVID 19 pandemic this week we made room at the table for kenzie crocker director of marketing for the homeless alliance her organization runs point for shelters around the city organizing and directing traffic to ensure oklahoma city's most vulnerable have support we've dedicated all of today's episode to our conversation with kenzie why not you join us at the table where we discuss living and surviving in crisis People who come to Oklahoma City's Homeless Alliance face crisis in some form daily. The arrival of a global pandemic ultimately has amplified the extent of them. Kinsey began our conversation explaining how canceled events caused by the pandemic created unforeseen consequences that boosted the Homeless
1: Alliance. In the very early days of this um, shutdown and, and when this kind of all started, we got some phone calls from restaurants and events. Oklahoma Contemporary had to shut down their big event. And they were calling us to um, give us food for our day shelter, and it was really kind of bittersweet because, right. you know, we on a nor- under normal circumstances when we get those calls we're just thrilled because you know it's it's food we have to feed 350 people breakfast and lunch every day and we don't have the budget for that so when we get free food it's just it's awesome but we were also really feeling for the people who are giving it to us because of all their hard work. And, you know, there are restaurants who are shutting down who had excess food in their freezer or, in the, or fridge and they didn't want it to go bad. And so they were giving it to us. And so, um, you know, it was, it was a really interesting situation for us to be in, but yeah, just logistically we had to change the way we did everything. So, um, you're familiar with us. We have, you know, uh, employment programs through curbside where people are interacting directly with the public. We have housing programs where case managers are going into people's homes. And then what you're most familiar with our day shelter where, you know, in an average day before COVID, we're serving 350 people a day. And it just wasn't safe to have that many people crammed in a building at once anymore. And you know, a lot of the folks we, we serve are vulnerable, so they don't have homes to go to to hunker down or running water or, um, you know, many of them have health conditions and they're just at greater risk. And so we had to reevaluate everything we did and do it on the fly and make sure that we were providing some of the most basic things for people in a safe way. Um, food became the most urgent thing. Um, There were some food pantries that had shut down, uh, churches that used to provide meals were no longer providing meals. And so we had to start focusing all of our efforts on on food. And that meant our administrative team, our housing case managers, everybody kind of had to shift their focus over to the day shelter. And that looked like Food, food in a variety of ways. Food for people coming to the day shelter. Food to our housed clients who um, needed to stay home and couldn't get out or couldn't afford to go to the grocery store. Um, delivering sack lunches to people who were in camps all across the community. Everything we did kind of f- focused focused on making sure we were meeting people's basic needs at the beginning. And take a second. Um,
0: Take take a quick second to describe how you had to change how you feed people at Westtown, for instance. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, like I said, normal day we have 350, sometimes more people coming in in the building to eat around crowded tables and going through a cafeteria line. Everybody standing close to each other, and uh, that just wasn't safe anymore. So we started providing all of our meals to go. Um, we pack them up in, in food boxes, just like a a restaurant and do takeout. Um, we, and that's an, that's an added expense, right? It is. Yeah. So, you know, before, you know, obviously there's the, the expense of the to-go boxes and the, the plastic silverware and, um, and then water, water became a big expense. So, you know, every summer we need water. Um, that's, that's nothing new, but now we need more bottled water because before people could come through the line, we have a little fountain area where they could Mm -hmm. get their ice and water in a cup and refill it. Now people can't use that fountain because we don't want people sharing, um, that. And, um, and so we're having to give bottled water to everybody who's coming through the day shelter to get their to-go meals. And same with street outreach, we're taking, sack lunches and groceries out to people in camps and delivering water to them. So yeah, there's definitely been some new expenses that um, we haven't had had before. So
0: yeah, you mentioned uh, your residence and how you've had to kind of rethink your, your program there. Take us through kind of, I guess, you, for those that haven't aren't familiar, give a little bit of a rundown on on your residency program and, and some of the changes you've had to make.
1: Yeah. So with uh, with housing specifically, we um, last year we housed over 750 people in Oklahoma City. And whenever we house somebody, we don't just put them in a house and wish them luck. Um, we uh, make sure that they have a case manager, one of our staff members who's working with them on a regular basis, making sure their needs are met, making sure they're working towards goals, um, trying to help them achieve whatever level of self sufficiency they're capable of, and you know, normally they're going to people's houses, doing visits, um, taking them places in their car, uh, that sort of thing. And, and that just didn't really, um, yeah. wasn't really safe anymore. And so, yeah. Yeah. um, so we've had to, to adapt where, um, you know, when we can, when there is internet access doing, uh, zoom meetings where there's not internet access, which is most often um it's doing phone check-ins when there's not phones um it's going to their door and knocking handing them giving them a mask and standing 10 feet back and talking to them uh from a distance but yeah ev- everything absolutely everything has had to change for us and what about um,
0: you you've got residents right there on site too have you guys had to make some changes there for for health reasons
1: do. We have, um, so most people we have, as I mentioned, 750 people last year, most of them are just all over the community in regular apartments and rental properties, but we have 20, uh, single room occupancy apartments here on campus for people who aren't quite ready for a traditional rental property environment. So it's set up more like a college dorm. Mm -hmm. A lot of the folks who live there are older and have health problems. And so, uh, Yes, we, we kind of had to lock down almost like a, like a, a, a retirement community. Um, yeah. So we put up some plexiglass, it's staff 24 hours a day. And so we put up some plexiglass around where the staff sits. Um, those, you know, we wanted to make sure that, um, obviously we had to distribute masks to everybody, start taking temperatures, um, all of those types of things, limiting the number of guests, and at one point not having any guests, um, and so just really uh, changing the way we interact with everyone. Well, you know what you just
0: described. A lot of what you just described, you were saying we have to give them this, we have to give them that. What what is easy to overlook is you're talking about staff and volunteers, right? That that do that administer these services. So what have you had to? tell me yeah. about how you've had to adjust with with the, on that side of it
1: yeah so we operate on a pretty shoestring staff and budget we're stretched thin on a normal day and so things have uh, gotten incredibly challenging um over at our day shelter typically about half of the workforce over there is made up of AARP volunteers to the AARP program and then additional volunteers just from the community. Um, AARP early on in COVID suspended that program completely and they still have not brought it back so we are still down half of our workforce over at the day shelter. Early on we suspended all volunteers on campus because we felt like bringing in people from out in the community was putting our guests at risk, and we just we we couldn't do that. And so, um, so yeah, we it was it was a big struggle at first. You know, everybody was doing their share of manual labor, and we. Feel like we should start a CrossFit program over here because we're all doing uh doing I all remember, sorts. Yes, I
0: remember yeah. being there one day and it was like there was a lot of hauling and lifting, yeah, and hustling yeah. around, yeah,
1: all sorts yeah. of things we never imagined doing. Um, but yeah, so we we uh we have at this point brought back a limited number of volunteers. We still don't have the ARP folks back, but we have a limited number of volunteers on campus. We've really had to narrow down what they're doing, and we do not have any volunteer-client interaction. So whereas before they would be um, plating up and serving meals directly to people, now they're putting the meals into go boxes and the staff is serving the meals. Um, they're behind the scenes packing hygiene kits and grocery bags that then are outreach Team is taking out to people in the community. So, um, really, we have a very limited number of volunteer positions right now, and um, they're all kind of on the back end doing doing things to to try to limit interaction.
0: So, I know with with a situation like that, and 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 knowing how many like the the volunteer force that you're used to, Mm -hmm. a lot of those volunteers who probably are not allowed to be involved now, I can't imagine that they're not involved in some way. Can you kind of take us through some of the things that people have done to kind of step up or step out and step up? During yeah,
1: pe- people, people have really come together for us. Um, so even people who haven't been able to come and volunteer have found ways that they can help. Um, early on, we were providing around, I want to say about 250 sack meals every day to street outreach teams. So our street outreach team, Mental Health Association, Goodwill, um, uh, the police department, just all the outreach teams, we were providing them with sack lunches. And a lot of the um, volunteers were stuck in, stepping up and making those at home and then delivering them to us. Um, people have done donation drives at their churches. Um, a lot of the churches that have been involved here and, uh, faith groups that have been involved here have really kind of stepped up and gotten creative on how to help us. We've we've got a lot of donation needs right now, um, but we've also had to really be careful about how we are accepting donations um, because, again, a you know we don't want to put people at risk, and and b we just do not have the manpower to process donations like we used to, right. and so. Right. Um, so fortunately, we've been able to work pretty closely with some of these groups to really target in on what we're needing and not, um, not get into things that, that put us at risk, if that makes sense.
0: To close out our conversation, Kinsey talked about how the coronavirus has given the general public a microcosmic view of the homeless experience and what to do if you feel like your home security is at risk
1: we've all, everyone in the community around the world has has learned what living through a crisis is like. And the folks that we are working with are living through a crisis every day of their life. And, you know, a lot of people who have had to stay home and work from home and be on Zoom meetings all the time and, um, you know, juggle kids and, and things that they're not used to doing Have talked about this brain fog they have and how difficult it is, and imagine living like that every day of your life and not having the safety and security of a door that locks and a place to rest your head and just the basic things you need. And so, I I hope that people people see that that you know living in in a crisis is hard. And that is
0: a great point. That's a great point. We're all we've all been living in crisis mode for you know five months or six months or however long it's been now. And you're right. It's an it's an it is an opportunity. Uh, it, I, I don't. I wouldn't call it a silver lining, but it's but it is certainly important that we can use this opportunity to live in somebody else's shoes.
1: Yeah, and of course, it's a very different situation. But yeah, I think it just. I think it just helps people. I think it could help people empathize yeah, and the, understand. The part like of it at least, the yeah, the, the with,
0: anxiety of it at least. Mm-hmm, yeah, the yeah because that's what exactly. it is. That, un, that it's, it's, it's a loss of security. And, mm-hmm. and, and those of us who are, are fortunate enough to, to be home secure probably take it for granted. Yeah. And extenuating forces have, have put all those things into some kind of question. Yeah. yeah you're kind of living in, in a similar mindset of your clientele. So, yeah, that's a really great point.
1: Yeah. When you're in crisis, it's, it's hard to focus on. things and so um that that's one thing i hope people people realize is that there are people in our community who are living in crisis every day and yeah we we always have a lot of needs um we've had to scale back like i mentioned the types of donations Mm -hmm. that we can take right now um you know we but we still need them and that's that's the challenge we're struggling with Mm so things that we're asking the public for directly are you know uh bottle water, sunscreen, bug spray, hygiene items, deodorant all the types of things you need um, in the summer. But we also have other needs that are a little bit more challenging because we can't just open up, um, open them up to the community. So for example, anytime we house someone, we try to get them started off with some basic things, you know, they're oftentimes they're starting with nothing. So we try to give them sheets and towels and um, pots and pans and dishes. But right now we can't really take sheets and towels because, you know, they don't always come in clean and we, we don't have the, we don't want to put people at risk managing those donations and we don't have the manpower to sift through it. And so we're finding ourselves in a really interesting situation where we, we need things, but we can't necessarily ask the public to bring them to us. And right. so um, and imagine that's something you're
0: still working around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so
0: probably for the, until the vaccine is found.
1: Yeah. I think, I think we're going to be living with um, changes here on campus, potentially forever, but definitely for the next,
0: I would, would going to ask you that like, have you guys found anything, any silver linings, in, in, in is at least in as far as you're operating? Uh, have you found anything that you think, hey, this is something we kind of need to try out? And it turns yeah. out it's a good thing for us to do.
1: I mean, there's definitely, um, you know, I, I think things that we can adapt during flu season. Even, right, even. right, right, uh, right. Like the the flu, you know, typically sweeps through through this community like wildfire, and so. You know, hopefully this year with everybody wearing masks, um, yeah. maybe that'll cut back on on flu on flu season. And maybe next year, um, if COVID is over, mm-hmm. we could still continue to distribute masks during flu season. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, um, going forward, you could see where this is going to. Especially, I could see where for flu seasons going forward, you'll end up with some protocols probably here that you'll implement temporarily during yeah. flu season.
1: Yeah. So I think that I think we've we've really been able, we've really tried to um, scale up certain parts of our operations. So we've tried to scale up our street outreach so that people can kind of hunker down in place and don't have to visit congregate environments. So I'm hoping that's something, you know, with the community support that we'll be able to financially sustain. Um, Also, I just wanted to mention, you know, we've Homeless prevention is really important. So that means, you know, getting people help before they become homeless. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we have added recently that has always been important. But um, now we have have really been able to bring it um, to become an important program of the Homeless Alliance is homeless prevention. So, you know, with businesses shut down for a length of time this spring and many still reducing their workforce or cutting hours. People are finding themselves in a position where they've, you know, they can't afford their rent or utilities. Um, There were so many people in our community who were already living paycheck to paycheck and it just doesn't take much to push them over the edge. Um, So we have added some intake people to help Help try to direct folks who are calling in that circumstance, and we've added some case managers to help with that um, to provide some financial support, rent and um, rent support for people who are who are getting close to eviction to try to prevent that from happening. Um, we've we've even helped people in the hospitality industry who have probably probably volunteered here before. Um, you know, we got a call the other day from a bartender at a local, um, local spot who, um, he got COVID. He had to stop working for a few weeks. Um, when he finally recovered, the place he worked was closed down. And so he found himself, you know, without, without income for an extended period of time. So fortunately we were able to step in, help him out with rent, um, so that he didn't end up Becoming one of the guests over at the day shelter.
0: Yeah, um, and that's, I was going to ask you because I know you're because you, you're bringing up exactly what everybody realizes is that a situation like this, when it affects the economy in the way that it has and and threatens to continue to do, that's a that's a red flag for future homelessness. Have, have you guys been able to assess whether your numbers have gone up based on pandemic yet, or is that something that will probably be determined further down?
1: We think it'll, we'll really start to see an impact in the coming months. Um, There was a moratorium on evictions that was just recently lifted about a few weeks ago. Um, So we think that we'll start to see more evictions the the prevention folks, the homeless prevention folks I mentioned, they are busy. They are constantly um, fielding calls and trying to help people. We have one of our employees stationed up at the eviction court trying to help people who are, who are really at, the point where they're about to be um, kicked out of their home. But um, yeah, I think that um, we, we've definitely seen an increase in those calls, but I think sometimes homelessness kind of is a lagging indicator of the economy. Um, people who, like I mentioned, are in that situation where they're paycheck to paycheck, a lot of times if they do lose their home, they'll have the social network that they could go stay with a friend or a family member, but you can only do that for so long. And so sometimes people bounce around for a while until it gets really desperate. And so I think we're going to be seeing the impact of this, um, the economic impact of this virus for months, if not years to come. I think you're, I'm fortunate.
0: I think you're probably right about that Kinsey. So with that in mind, like what, tell people what, 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 what can, what can someone do who's in that position? How do they find the information to get help?
1: Yeah, if somebody somebody is is not able to pay their their utilities, I'd say the first thing they should do, there's a website, okcommunitycares.org. It's um, being kind of operated by the city of Oklahoma City and using funds from the city, the federal government, state, and county, um, trying to help people with rent and utilities. Um, So they are uh, kind of a first stop I would recommend for people People can also call two one one, which is a twenty four hour helpline, and they can direct people um, to different programs and services like ours or others um, that are providing help right now. So I'd say those are the those are the two places I would start.
0: And what about if people really want to support the homeless alliance? What's uh, you know. Take us through. You gave us a few examples of, of some things you need, but you're also kind of up against it on how you can receive it. So it seems like cash at this point. Cash is always welcome, but maybe yeah, more. Fi-
1: yeah, financial assistance is is desperately needed. Um, you know, we're we're paying people's rent and utilities, and 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 just trying to continue to operate our existing programs. And so financial support allows us to really focus the money where we need it most at the time. So whether it's rent and utilities or case management or um, even purchasing some of those household items I mentioned, um, people, uh, people that I, I'd say that's where people could help most right now is, is financial. And I, I know it sounds cliche, but no donation is too small.
0: Whether the Oklahoma Standard is more than a self-congratulatory slogan, we'll find out between now and the time when we can safely distribute a vaccine. If you're in a position to help others during the pandemic, start with HomelessAlliance.org. But if you're facing home insecurity, don't hesitate. Find info at OKCares.org. Until that vaccine is ready, wash your hands often, cover your face in public settings, practice social distancing, and let's get through this thing together. Humans rarely operate with absolute certainty. But when they work together, they certainly work better. My thanks again to Kenzie Crocker of the Homeless Alliance for joining us at the table. Tune in next week when we return to the 405 Dining Scape for more stories from the front lines in the time of the coronavirus.